Welcome to Celestial Small Talk with Alice and CJ. Celestial Small Talk refers to the big ideas, profound revelations, and deep connections that are created in the briefest of encounters. It is often in these moments that an imperceptible shift in thought can bring about the biggest change, helping us to more fully embody our intuition. We strive to inspire, illuminate, question, provoke, and spark the unique constellation within. Hello to our loyal listeners of Celestial Small Talk. We are nearing the very end of season two, and we have been so grateful for the journey that this season has brought us on. Alice, what's on your heart and mind today? I am feeling a little bit more energized than I was two days ago with some of the issues happening with communications and just having a lot of anxiety in general and feeling physically depleted. I found out something interesting today that sort of helped me feel more hopeful and optimistic about the future. And it is a nutrition report based on your DNA. And it sort of pointed out what I'm lacking and what I'm sensitive of and things like that, you know, other than the things that I already know, like I'm sensitive to caffeine, I don't have a sweet tooth, my metabolism is great. I found out that I need more like gut health, so probiotics. And then I was looking at something else and it was saying my thyroid isn't that great. And I was like, what does that mean? And so it was giving me that my magnesium level is low. Before this, I had no idea what all these things are, you know, and I've just cruised by life like, I don't need anything. I'm perfectly fine. And then when I started looking up magnesium supplement, it turns out people take this for anxiety and calmness in general. And it sort of hit me. I am literally cannot calm the fuck down. Like I just, it takes me forever to calm down. And I just have terrible, like I'm just always exhausted and terrible sleep. And this, you know, might be the answer. I just literally need to give myself more magnesium. And I thought that was very insightful and I'm hopeful that I would have more energy moving forward once I start taking all these supplements. So that's where my head is at and where my mind is at. How are you doing today? Today has been a roller coaster in a couple of different ways. One was awaiting a medical outcome from a couple of tests and turns out that I don't have to worry about anything yet. But as with most things in life, it is only a snapshot in time. So there has been a recommendation just to get yearly checkups on um, this thing that I uh, experienced recently. So I felt relief about that, but also So this nagging sense of like, this is going to be on the back of my mind for a while and I'm going to be vigilant about it for a while. I gave myself a lot of space today in case I needed to process any bad news. And I ended up filling that space with like all sorts of stuff I needed to do around the house. So I don't know if this has really been the most... (laughs) like relaxing day ever, but I am just letting it be what it is. I've been kind of on a high from the last 
day or so. Yesterday was a glorious, wonderful day full of so many of my favorite things. And then towards the end of it, I found out that a former colleague passed away suddenly in his sleep on Saturday night. And this is a colleague who was a chaplain at the school where I worked for eight years. So touched a lot of lives, was a man of faith. And I like wasn't really in a space to grieve that when I heard the news. And when I let myself think about it later, I found found myself really focusing on the light he brought to my life and to the school community where I worked. And that felt so fitting to, of course, mourn the loss of his presence in the world. And I think about his family and I think about his congregation and I think about the school community where he had been working for 30 plus years and how that's going to affect the community. But it was such a testament to this man's work in the world that immediately the light shone in just from having thought about the impact he had on my life. He was present um, for some pivotal moments when I worked at that school. Yeah. So as I'm talking about it, I guess I'm feeling a little bit more emotional, but it is good because I think there would be a time where I would let this grief sort of take over. And right now I'm feeling the presence of the joy and the relief and the light and the grief sort of all at once, which is sort of an interesting transition into the topic that I brought to today's conversation. I've been holding on to my little heart-shaped selenite crystal. And it has been giving me a lot of peace. And I did light a spirit candle. So I do want to, in the spirit of remembering this man, Reverend Michael Hinson, I want to sort of dedicate this grounding moment. Take a deep breath in. And exhale. I am spiritual. I move beyond the physical into the light, filled with hope love, and joy. Inhale and exhale. Thank you for sharing all that. And I'm sorry for your loss. This was sudden and you know, you're, it's still raw for you. So I really appreciate that you are bringing this and bringing your authentic self forward and sharing this with us. And that little spell was so beautiful. It reminded me of this idea in Buddhism that I learned is that we are all connected and this is all temporary and we are spiritual being experiencing human experiences and that once a person um, moves on to a different realm, he's still connected to everything else. Love that he got to be remembered by the light that he brought to the world. And that's really all I would ever want to be remembered by. You mentioned that you brought a topic today. What had brought this topic to your mind and why did you want to bring it up to the conversation today? In this healing journey that I've been on for a while now, let's say the past four or five years of my life, I realized that so much of my coping with the difficulties of life has been compartmentalization, which is a totally valid thing to do when, or you're not in a space to receive something, or you're not in a space to deal with something 
you can compartmentalize. So that way you shut off potentially a part of your brain, a part of your body. So that way you're not allowing that thing to rush in. You do what you need to do, and then you allow yourself to go back to it. The healing journey I've been on has brought to light so many parts of myself that have been compartmentalized. And what I have focused my healing on recently is the idea of integrating all of these parts. I won't be able to get into like all of the details because it's a hugely vast topic on lots of different things. And for some people who have been on their own healing journeys, they may hear echoes in their own things. And for other people, this might go way over your head. So this is really just like a surface level of talking about ego work, inner child work, and reconnecting with one's body and intuition. So the first thing was noticing the critical voice in my head and realizing that that was my egoic state. So the critical voice that's telling me I should do this, I shouldn't have done this, you always do this, you never do this. One strategy that I learned to temper that egoic voice is to give it a name And to remind yourself that you are not your thoughts, that they are things that occur in your mind and you can think thoughts and realize that they're not necessarily true. So I named my ego Edgar and it comes from the Aristocats, the old Disney movie. And Edgar is this butler of this older woman who has a duchess and her three kittens. And Edgar has this plot to get rid of the kittens, Duchess and the kittens, because the old woman is going to be leaving everything to the cats and nothing to him when she passes. So he's this diabolical working behind the scenes to get these cats out of the picture so that way he can inherit. And that felt like a really apt metaphor for what my ego does to me, which is essentially hijack all the other parts of my body and not let me necessarily access them. To move on to the ego influencing my inner child, another strategy that I learned was to name your inner child as well. And I kind of kept with this idea of Edgar being the butler and then all these other parts of me being cats that needed to be wrangled. Like, you know, the expression, it's like herding cats. Because it's impossible, right? Like cats will not herd. They just, they do their own thing. You can't organize cats. You can't put them in lines. Like they just do their own thing. It felt really appropriate for this. Like my ego is the one who like tries to get them all in a line. So Edgar tries to do that to these other parts of my body that are cats. My childhood nickname has always been Cake. Um, When I was young, my uh, hair was uh, like a strawberry blonde color. And so my parents called me carrot cake, cake, and all sorts of derivatives of the word. And that has stuck into my adulthood. So like to my nieces, I am Auntie Cakeums, which is the best name ever. So when I find that Edgar is running the shots, I'll often be like, all right, Edgar, you need to step back and let my intuition and my inner child kind of express what needs to be expressed. So then I talk to cake and I'm like, cake, you know, if you're feeling activated by some sort of a stimulus or a feeling of not being heard or seen, I speak to cake as my wise adult self saying like, it's okay. It's normal that you're feeling this way. I'm here with you. 
I am not going to leave you alone to deal with this. Let's process this together. So you reparent yourself in that way by speaking to your inner child. And again, giving it a name that's separate than who you are. Then the third stage of this healing journey has been to reconnect with my body or my intuition. And I know I've mentioned the Trauma Witch Fanny Priest and the program that I've been in for two months with her now. It's an eight-month-long program. And it's all about rewiring your nervous system so that way you feel safe when your business expands. And our nervous system, she has equated as a soft animal. If you think about a feral cat, you can't approach a feral cat very fast and you can't approach them very offensively. You have to really coax that feral cat out and let them know that they are safe and offer them things to make, you know, coming out from, let's say, under a car or down from a tree an inviting opportunity. It's going to be hard to get into this much deeper, but I'm not talking about our physical vessel. So it's not thinking about my legs or thinking about my tummy or thinking about my chest or anything. It's the messaging that I'm getting from this deep inner place of my body, which is sending messages up to my brain. But so much of that has been overridden by Edgar's constant talk. So whenever I get to a place where I find that I need to ground and see how my body's really feeling, it is such a foreign process to me, but it's getting easier. It's honestly just sitting and noticing and shutting off the thinking mind rather than saying like, this is what my body is feeling. I can't do words. I just have to sort of sense into my chest and sense into my gut. And that's where the intuition lies. But all these other parts, this tantrum throwing ego or this tantrum throwing inner child can often override that soft body or feral cat that's on the inside. And I decided to name that part of me Garfield because I have a little stuffed Garfield who I've had since I was born, I believe, and has followed me through college when I lived in France, when I lived everywhere in my 20s and 30s. And the only reason Garfield is not out on display is because I'm worried my cat's going to chew him up. So he sits in a, a dark area to just be. And when I need comfort, when my dog's not around, I will I will take out Garfield. And that feels like an apt representation of tending to that inner body, knowing to listen to what it needs. So that's a lot of different things to be thinking about on a daily basis. And it got me thinking about this idea of compartmentalization, about how particularly as a teacher, I was so wired to be in teacher mode at work and then switch to CJ mode at home, or I'd get to be like my summer self on the weekends or over the summers, obviously. And that this idea of compartmentalization has kind of stayed with me. And I'm realizing I am at the point where I need to figure out how to integrate all of these parts of myself so that I am able to move forward in a way that is more aligned with me. So there wasn't really one specific incident that brought it to light today, but it's been something I've been contemplating for a while. And I'd be curious. Alice, to hear if you have any experiences or not even strategies, but ideas about these different things that maybe have impacted you as well and 
that way we can maybe just hear it from a different perspective so our listeners could potentially understand it a little better. Everything you brought up has been really interesting. I don't think I've had even gone as far as you did with naming all these different parts. I do call the voices, the inner critics, my gremlins, which is the term that Brene Brown had put into us. But sometimes, you know, I could think of them as like dementors. They're just like, there's this cold presence that just bring out the worst fears and you really just fear. You know, every time I think about like something difficult that I have to do, I usually just think about like me being in the arena and all these critics that I hear because there's so many different voices. It's not just like one particular voice with one particular characteristic or personality. It's a lot. And I sound like a crazy person, but what I meant is that because you've heard critics from other people, you adopt those things into your own thinking, you know, there are parts of you that would be afraid of success. And there are part of you that would be afraid of failure. And there could be a part of you that just afraid to move in general and to take presence and to be anywhere and be yourself. And there's just so many different fears that person can experience. It's sort of like the audience or the spectator of the arena. And they're just shouting out. And sometimes I do have actual people that I know from real life in that arena because their opinions somehow matter a lot to me. You know, I have to decide whether I would wear the armor to fight or I'm going to drop it and, you know, be entirely raw and brave. But the reconnecting with the body and the intuition has been a journey as well for me. It's, you know, getting out of my head. And that's why improv has been so amazing because, you know, you don't have time to think. And the environment you're in and the people you interact with, they offer the space that is so non-judgmental and safe that literally you can't mess up in there. And that's been helping a lot. I have done the same thing like you when... I need to shut off my thoughts and just feel it out because especially when I have to make a decision, how do you know you're making the right decision? And it's just literally, how does your body feel? Does it feel afraid because of you? You might be upsetting someone else or is it like excitement because you've never done it before or just any of these things? Like I have to be able to distinguish them actually, you know, knowing the differences between if it's from somebody else's opinion or mentality or if it's mine and if it's like because I don't know what's next and that's my typical fear is of the unknown and not being in control control is is the one thing that I struggle with the most I'm curious as to how your journey has been like do you feel like you've made progress with integration do you feel like compartmentalization is necessary or we should move away from that? I don't think there's one right answer. And I really liked a couple of things that you brought up. One was about improv helping us get out of our heads and into our bodies. And that really is letting our inner child play. There are studies that have been done that adults who have hobbies and opportunities to play live longer and are healthier than those who don't. So your inner child could be someone who loves to paint. It could be someone who climbs trees. It could be someone who swims uninhibited for hours at a time. The key is that it's something that brings you joy without any external reward or 
finish line. And we've talked about that before, how this healing process isn't necessarily linear and it doesn't have an, have an end point and it's the journey itself that is the reward for it. To answer your question in a long way, you said something like, you know, does my body feel fear? Does my body feel excitement? I think, and I can speak from experience that until you know what that actually feels like in your body, you don't know, right? So you could have butterflies in your stomach from excitement or from fear. And it's important to differentiate between, okay, is this reminding me of a time where something was out of my control or I was scared of something? Or does this remind me of my first crush or kiss or whatever? And butterflies could be present for both of those. And there's such a fine line of distinguishing between those sensations and what they're actually telling you. So part of what we're working on in this business course is just noticing, spending a lot of time saying, oh, I see that my heart rate is quickening, or I see that my breath is shallow, or I see that I'm clenching this or that I've released that. And that's the very first step. And then you continue to do that until you kind of take inventory of the different sensations that are sending you messages. And then you kind of get to decipher them. So it becomes like a language you're decoding within your own body, which I think is really fascinating. And it's such a travesty that we've become so disconnected from our bodies. We eat mindlessly without really even tasting the food or we drink to excess because we're not really thinking about the effect of it on our bodies. Or like you were talking about with the supplements, having very specific deficiencies or ways that can promote more healing or health in general can be so specific to people that there isn't really a one size fits all. And it's so important to like know what the thing is for you. And it takes a lot of practice. So I feel like I'm getting there. I'm working on it. And part of that, that I didn't already mention was tapping into your higher self, right? So I, I talked about sort of the adult version of me speaking to my inner child and then reconnecting with Garfield, my body or my intuition. But then there's just CJ and CJ is me past, present and future who can see things from a different perspective that earthly CJ can't necessarily see. Part of this process is getting in touch with spirit in that way. And that spirit we've talked about before really does reside within each of us in its own way. And I've talked about ancestral stuff before on the podcast. And I, I read something recently about over a thousand people have to have existed in your lineage for you to exist. So if you think about all of that wisdom being passed down in your blood and body and bones and hidden memories, that's a lot of untapped information that could potentially give some keys and clues to deciphering the body, quieting the ego, letting the inner child play, 
and everything. So that's a whole nother realm to explore too. So it just feels like the more I'm learning, the more I'm like, this is a lot of work and it gets exhausting, right? There are some days earlier today, even I was looking around and I just wasn't happy with the state of my place and was like, okay, you know, I got to do the dishes. I got to do the laundry, open up the fridge. God, I got to go grocery shopping. And this is all part of like the reparenting process of, I feel better when all of these things are done, but I hate the process of it, but it's necessary to keep showing up for myself so that I can remove all of those earthly distractions and those surface level aggravations and allow the body to send me the messaging and allow that inner child to play and allow that higher self to come through. And it just takes a lot of work and I'm tired sometimes. So (laughs) I feel like the compartmentalization is still necessary because I'm still tending to all these different parts of me. So there are some times where I sit down and I'm like, okay, is my ego yelling at me? Is my inner child tantruming? Like what part of me is going through what right now? I think this is all a part of the process and it gets frustrating when I feel like I'm not making progress. However, I know that every little step, every little notice, every little act I do with my future highest self in mind is leading me closer to integrating all these parts. I just had a thought at the last bit when you were asking, oh, is this Edgar or is it Garfield? All these things. I had envisioned, and this is improv talking, I'd envision a, a round table with all these characters talking and they're sort of shouting at each other all the time. And I guess this is the integration part is you do have to listen to all of them just to see what they have to say. And then, you know, you be holding the gavel you know, order, order, order. This is how we're going to move forward. I hear you. Right. And I will address everything you need. And this is how we're going to do it. Um, And I think just the way that you helped me this past Saturday, right. The incident happened and I call you and you know, all you said is just, you need to get some food in you and just take care of your body, drink some water and just hang out with your kid. And then when your body is not activated anymore, then you can get into writing everything down. And I think that is integration because you tend to the different things, but in a certain order. I think what I've learned from what you just said is that don't shut them out in a sense like, okay, you're being unreasonable. I'm not going to listen to you, but I don't think that works per se. And this is why journaling is so helpful because then you can just write down everything and then you can reality check all the stuff that's happening in your head and in your mind and like all these little chatter. Um, You can sort them out a little more easily. But I think above all tending to your body, at least in my experience or my my own journey has been one of the most important things. I think there is an importance in living as in like, you got to try out things, you got to try new things so that your body can send you all these signals and you can start recognizing which one is fear and which one is excitement. You know, if you're sort of just not trying out, it's going to be harder for your body to give you feedback. So that's why 
when I started to listen to my body more, I started realizing that after I eat a certain thing, I'm getting tired after I drink a certain thing or keeping track of my sleep, even start recognizing that certain routine or patterns. That's what got me into looking into, you know, more of these supplements or, you know, whatever nutrition details that I need to know about my own body because I genuinely believe that these diets and things like that are not all for you. And literally the the results of that keto diet is not for me. And I, you know, I could have gone that way, but it's just not something that I need. And I needed to tap into more of my thyroid and gut health. And that is something that I think everybody should at least check out to get to know their body a little bit more on a molecular level. The messaging that we get from our guts is so important and so undervalued and undertended. I can speak to, you know, we talked earlier, either this season or last season about, you know, my back issues and inflammation and having to change a lot of my diet as a result of that and giving up a lot of foods that felt so good to my body on an egoic level, right? But then actually tapping into my body and being like, oh yeah, <laughs> like processed starch and cheese and meats and nightshades, like they just don't really do the things that I want them to do. So is it better to suffer after having eaten these things or do I just give them up for the higher self? I also noticed when you, you brought up me giving you advice, I thought about how a former version of me needed to hear that advice, which is why I gave it to you. <laughs> and that's not to say that I follow my own advice all the time. Right. But in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, that was good advice because I need to do that too. <laughs> so I was speaking to a version of myself as well. Yeah. And I just pulled out a whole bunch of cards that I, I'm not even sure how I'm going to interpret them. We'll see what comes out while I start talking, but I'd love to hear what the astrology has to say. Cause you've already told me that I'm in for like a doozy of a few weeks. I wouldn't say doozy actually. And I I'm actually not talking about a few weeks. I'm actually talking about a little bit further future as in, you know, months or probably not years, whatever it is, the effort that you're putting into this new business, it's gonna flourish for you because it's just looking like Venus is gonna transit your Mars soon and Mars rules your second and seventh house. So second is income and money and seventh is contract. So Venus is beauty, it's harmony, it's pleasant and it's gonna roll right over. It's gonna give you some really nice news. And next year or soon actually, the South and North Note are going to move into your natal positions. So whatever you're most comfortable doing, whatever you're naturally good at, you're going to be able to, and it's going to bring awareness or it's going to bring more energy. It's going to bring a need for you to learn um, your eighth house, which is more of other people's money, investments, and all these things. So it's looking good because your south node is in your second house natally, which means you're already good at like saving and making money and just all these things. So when it goes in there, like it's going to give you an advantage. That's what I'm saying with like anything. 
and you know Jupiter is going to move straight into your sixth house of work so next year you'll be working a lot there'll be money flowing in I just love looking at all these little indicators you know because I'm not a fortune teller but you know the planets always tell you um, what you want to know and then the thing that I was earlier I was I was saying, oh, wow, it's Pluto's right, like opposite your MC in the 10th house. So what that means is that your public image and your career is shifting, you know, in a really like an upright position, if, if that's the right word for it, it's going to change. I mean, it's already changing, right? Because Pluto was like sort of, sort of moving close to it. And now it's like right there. So this is like a pivoting point for you. And I think you are pitching to investors soon. So I think this could be major. And I'm excited to see how it, it turns out for you. Exciting. I always love hearing that money is going to be flowing and that I'll be able to manage it and make some hopefully really beautiful, harmonious changes and it will enhance the ability for my business to grow. I love that you brought many of those things up. I pulled a lot of pentacles just now. So that usually has to do with abundance, stability, resources. So I think I'll get into it and just kind of see what comes out. So the first four cards came out together, which were the princess of wands, number 16, the tower, reversed seven of pentacles and the 10 of pentacles. And the princess of wands really just looks like a playful being and wands feels like such a creative, inspiring suit. So when you think about the inner child and thinking about sort of embracing that play and embracing that dreamy sense of creativity and inspiration, I feel a kinship with this card and am just excited for whatever spark this is going to light up in me or has already lit that I'm on this journey. And then you get the tower, which historically feels scary and big, which can be the case. It usually heralds some kind of destruction or abrupt change. You think about sort of lightning striking. And I've often felt like I've been through the tower already, but I'm realizing that it's not a one and done. So thank you and fuck you to (laughs) like... Be like, all right, I got to do this shit again. But prior to this, I've gotten five of pentacles a lot, which feels like it has tower energy because there's a lot of almost feeling of like destitution and like you need to get to the bottom, like scrape the bottom of the barrel to then claw your way back up. And that's kind of what the tower energy is as well. It's deeply getting you down to a ground level to rebuild, whether that means it's coming from a financial standpoint or a creative standpoint or whatever. I'm just noticing that that is a continual process for me. The reverse seven of pentacles. So upright, this card often has to do with just tending its growth. It's putting in the effort. And when it's reversed, it can mean a little bit more about restructuring or where you're allocating energy and resources, which again, a lot of people, when they see a reverse card, they can often internalize a negative message. 
And I've kind of gotten to the point where reversals feel like it's inner work I need to do as opposed to an outward representation or show of what's happening. So this could be just an internal restructuring of all of these different parts of me and figuring out how to be the board chair with the gavel saying this is where the meeting is going and this is how we're going to have order. And then the last card, 10 of pentacles, is one of completion and community and wealth and legacy. And I've gotten this card a lot too. It feels like a journey to completing something that my ancestors were never able to do tends often feel like a completion card, but on a grander scheme, not necessarily just in the context of my own life's journey, but also bringing along the legacy of my family and heritage to saying, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to fulfill these dreams and hopes in a way that were not realized by my ancestors. Later, when you were talking, three other cards came out all at once, which were the Nine of Pentacles, the Reversed Queen of Swords, and the Reversed Ace of Cups. And you and I talked about the Nine of Pentacles recently because you helped me with my logo on my business and you felt a kinship with the Nine of Pentacles. And you said, this just feels like something that is important to include in your logo. And I gave you the image of the peacock, which is on the Mystic Mondays tarot that I'm using today. And it's really about just letting your true colors shine, the splendor to come through the vitality. And I wonder if that is speaking to the public image sort of, you know, showing showmanship. Reverse Queen of Swords. So upright, the Queen of Swords also feels like a pretty harsh card in the way that this tender of words and of thoughts and of ego stories is very rigid in these thoughts. And when it came out reversed, it kind of felt like a need to change that. So there isn't a perception of coldness or detachment, or they use the term ice queen in the Mystic Mondays tarot guidebook. So that feels like a chance for me to repurpose these thoughts that haven't been serving me in a way that maybe enhances my public image. So I don't present myself as someone who's like cold or detached from situations. And then the reverse Ace of Cups. I mean, I love the Ace of Cups upright because it just feels like such an offering of like, here, here are your emotions. Here are the things that you need to focus on on this journey. And when it's reversed, it can have to do with a release or maybe emotional exhaustion or some repression, which might be a big indicator of how I'm feeling with trying to integrate all of these different parts of myself. It's like, I'm just tired. Like I'm ready to like release these things. And I'm realizing that that's just not a part of the journey. It's not really an option because once you've gone this far, you can't imagine another way. You kind of can't go back to unseeing the things that you have learned and integrated. So overall, these cards feel very, I think I'm gonna have to take some time to process them actually. But I love the fact that you brought up Pluto earlier. I just heard some stuff about Pluto and it's making me want to learn more about it. So I might tap into you for some resources uh, having to do with Pluto soon. 
No problem. I was going to respond to a few of the cards that you pulled, specifically the Ice Queen and the Nine of Pentacles. And, you know, you talked about the public image and everything. This is something that I failed to mention earlier when I was doing the chart was Venus is going to go move over your Mars. And then it's going to go really close to Pluto, which would be right opposite your public image and career. And and then it's going to go backwards. So the reverse cards, you interpret them as like, you know, something inward. I usually do interpret them as like retrograding planets. What I'm getting out of the message is that whatever this set of three cards would be is whatever happens when Venus conjunct Pluto going backwards. Because Pluto and Venus, like if you've seen anything on social media these days about the upcoming transits, it's the Venus retrograde conjuncting Pluto that's been like going around a lot and people are freaking out. And I don't think there's anything to freak out because retrograding is just revising, reevaluating, reevaluating your value and what's not balanced. And with Pluto, it's just deeper. It's just requesting you to look at everything on a deeper level. And I think you've actually been doing a lot of deep work. It's going to feel a little bit backward. So you would feel some progress and then something will happen where it's like, wait a minute, that's just doesn't sit right. And then there's some, there's going to be some reevaluation. There's going to be some um, readjustment. Maybe the contract needed some rewording. So Venus is in your fourth house. So that's actually ancestral. That's roots, that's living situation. I would assume that whatever this reevaluation is, is going to be within that realm of your root chakras, which is, which is trust or, you know, your living situation, Venus retrograde isn't as scary as, you know, Mars retrograding or Saturn retrograding, I think, and Uranus retrograding. I think Venus is just really lighthearted. People shouldn't be freaking out about Venus retrograde. It's going to be fine. It's life. It always happens. You have to always reevaluate things anyways. Yeah, I think there's going to be some perfecting of the process for you in this next month. Um, going to the earlier of next year. But I think overall, like I said, the nodal return for you, which is going to be more like a year and a half of a transit, Jupiter moving into the sixth house is your Jupiter return as well. I think things will fall into place and it'll work out exactly the way it's supposed to. That gives me hope. Thank you, Alice. What are you grateful for today? I am grateful for insights, transformative insights, and I'm grateful for just being relatively healthy and not having to deal with a lot of things that many other people have to deal with. I'm grateful for genuine and evolved friends that have been crucial to my journey, and I'm grateful for play because play is so important. And the funny thing is I'm a recreation therapist and play is my profession. And what you were saying earlier about like how you can't have expectations and you can't expect a result from play is so apt for what I need to tell myself because I quote unquote play a lot with art. There's always something in the back of my mind that says, well, how are you going to make money from this? How are you going to, you know, and it's so silly because it's play and I need to like separate all of those things and 
the need for performance we talked about last time and the need for, you know, having visible growth from anything is not necessary when you play. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for connection. That has felt like such a holy reminder in this journey of true vulnerability and true reconnecting with myself is reminding myself that this isn't a one-person journey and it's necessary to bring in your people in whatever form, whether they're ancestors, their friends, their text message friends, their online friends. It doesn't really matter who it is as long as you feel supported. So along the lines of what you were saying with having elevated people who can bring you along on the ride. I feel a lot of gratitude for the people in my life who I have forged deep connections with and who have helped to support me in different parts of my journey. And I'm just noticing that as things shift, I tend to shrink back into myself and want to just deal with it and process it. And moving forward, potentially just putting like a big note on my mirror saying like, talk to your friends, (laughs) you know, reach out to people as a reminder that this is not something that I have to or should do alone. Because even if someone doesn't have the exact same experience or frame of reference for what I'm going through, just to have people who don't offer unsolicited advice, but just listen and hold space has been really paramount to this journey. Wonderful. This will be our second to last episode of The Lesser Small Talk um, season two. And I'm excited for the season to be over, honestly, because this is, you know, sometimes a lot of work, but I am also grateful for how much these episodes have taught me um, and has helped me grow as a person. And I can't wait to bring even more things to the next season. Thanks for that, Alice. We look forward to presenting our last episode of season two next week, and then we'll take a little bit of a break to reassess and rebalance as we often do. And we will check back in with our lovely listeners soon. You can reach us at celestialsmalltalk at gmail.com and on Instagram at celestialsmalltalk. Please listen, like, review, share, grow, learn, and love. Until next time.